0: So there, co-captain John. Yes, yeah, sir. There was something that you said over a year ago. Uh-oh. That has stuck in my mind. I've learned a lot since then. Well, we'll I, see. I think, I think maybe. All right, go ahead. This statement, as innocuous as it may have been at the time, stuck in my mind, stuck in my craw, and mm. it's potentially ruining one of my favorite yacht rock songs ever. What does innocuous mean? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I don't, go on. It won't, you, hurt. You they go won't on. hurt you, though, so don't worry. <laughs> uh, um, you made a statement. We were doing um, the tournament, I believe. Yes, it was the okay. the invitation. What was that tournament called? The Yacht Madness March? Yacht the original March. Yeah, yeah, the original one. Yeah. And we were doing our matchups, and yep. the song, one of my favorite songs, Biggest Part of Me by Ambrosia. Gets. Yes. The first thing that happened was is it got voted off the island by you and Captain Juan, well really Captain Juan from Yacht Rock Miami. That's some pretty good cred there, man. Yeah, and it was uh but it was Be Mine by Michael Jackson. And I had to Ooh. use my veto power to save it. Did I really vote against B baby be mine? It was Juan's vote, and you just agreed with it, which oh, was unofficial. Wow. Oh, wow! I, I had to veto it.
1: Well, today, as I stand here today, biggest part of me would be Baby Be Mine.
0: But you, I digress. Yeah, wait, it's still, yeah. oh, biggest part of me would win Would now? win. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, ahoy polloi. <laughs> no, wait. No. Oh, so, hold on. I got more to argue about first. Um. So, yeah. later on in the tournament, the song came up again. Okay. And you said, actually, in praise of the song... Something to the effect of, man, that song might not have all the elements, but man, is that good. Okay. Those were the words that stuck in my mind. I'm like, what? So now every time I hear the song, I'm, I start hearing all of the elements, and I'm like, okay. what's it missing? Okay. All of this set up what I thought might be a new fun way to approach an episode. We've done Artist-focused, we've done album-focused, we've never done a song focus. So here we are today, our very first song-focused episode. I am ready to muster a defense to those comments, yes. But before we get into all of that, okay. I needed to pick your brain on something. Mm-hmm. Because I texted you the other day, uh, just it came to mind for whatever reason. I know what it, the reason was, actually, is because when we were talking to Tristan Bowden, yeah. we were talking about a drum fill he did, and then he said, I do a similar drum fill on a song I only play in the last, like, 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. And it was a Richard Marks tune. Right. That big ballad. Yeah. And it's this huge awesome, really creative fill, And it goes into this guitar solo. And I'm listening to it after he had told us about it. And I'm like, man, that sounds like Lukather. It's gotta be. And I so I pull up the personnel. And it's not. It's uh-huh. actually Michael Landau. Ah. Well, so, yeah, he can do the Luke Lukather sound for sure. Thing. And then I just kind of glance at the rest of the personnel and I'm like, what? So anyways, months later I decide, you know what? I gotta check out this Richard Marks catalog because okay. I know he's a great songwriter beyond just the Richard Marks stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's got all his Yachty cats. Like what what is this all about? So I texted you the other day. I'm like, I'm going yeah. in. <laughs> I'm going in. <laughs> and I explored the entire Richard Marks catalog. And you said you had done that. Yeah. And you said it'd be interesting to get my take on it. Yes. So I have a take. What was your take? My take was
1: I remember when he first came out, um, And I think the first song I heard from him was probably Don't Mean Nothing. Correct. And then, I'm not sure if it was the next song, but not long after that, whether it was the second or third release, uh, Satisfied.
0: That was the next album, I think. Yeah.
1: Okay, these are both, I think, just solid rockers that caught my attention. Um, I loved them both. And I guess I had really high hopes for where Richard was going to go. I thought maybe he'd be the next... Rick Springfield or something like that, where I liked every cut that he did. And then he evolved, and maybe not necessarily the fault of him as much as the fault of record labels. As soon as a record label figured out you could do a ballad, that's all it seemed like they wanted from you. True. And that was going to be the single, always. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so this bluesy rocker thing, whatever you call those first two songs that I mentioned, went away, and it got to be ballad after ballad after ballad.
0: And I became more and more underwhelmed by it all. Yeah, less interested. Me too. And we're also turning the corner into the 90s where music's about to change dramatically. Yeah. And he falls off the radar. He's still huge at pop music. Off my radar, I'm like, eh, not interested. That's the whole reason I decided to go back. Mm-hmm. So when you went back in modern day just a couple few weeks ago and explored the catalog, what did you think going in? I'll, let me give you my take. I think... Looking at the Yachty personnel, which I'm going to get into in a minute, mm-hmm. knowing that there's a songwriter there, knowing that, like what you just said, he's got some rock sensibilities, mm-hmm. I'm going to be blown away by this deep cut catalog. Yep. I was somewhat underwhelmed. I was disappointed. Not because it wasn't all great, because it wasn't as great as I thought it was going to be, and there was less great... Well, the great moments are outstanding. That's right. one thing I got to say. The great moments... There are some rockers. Yep, um, There's some great playing. Um at this point, I don't even need rockers from him. No, I was. You know, I would like been funny, happy got with, got with, with great jump, ballads.
1: Too. You know. Yeah. Uh, part of it was, I'm just kind of in general turned off to the later '80s sound, recording sound. I think one of the texts you sent back to me is lots of gate. Yeah. You know, lots of gated reverb. It's harsh, uh, and so I need to be overwhelmed by the artistry of the music to get me past that, and yeah. I wasn't there. Um, and at times, were you though? The highlights? Were there highlights for you? Yes, there were some highlights. Yep. Overall, oh God, I hate having to publish this, but <laughs> mm. it comes off a bit generic
0: to me now. It doesn't do it for me. Interesting. And maybe that's the, maybe I set the bar too high. Maybe you did too, because I figured. And maybe I did. Because listen did. to the talent real quick. So I come to discover that basically his house band is thus. Uh, a lot of times with Michael O'Mardian, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Landau is basically the guitar player for the band. Uh, not on the first album, but going forward, um, did you know Bill Champlin was his Heyman B3 organ player? No. F- almost all the time? No. no. Yeah. Um, you got Tristan Bowden on drums, de Costa on percussion. Uh, the first album has Timothy B. Schmidt, and also that first song that you heard, mm-hmm. uh, Don't Mean Nothing, yeah. I always thought, Man, that sounds like an Eagles tune to me. Yeah. Well, Timothy B. Schmidt's on it, and so is Joe Walsh playing the guitars. Okay. So it is kind of the Eagles. Um, Nathan East is on bass. He's got Marcus Miller playing bass later. So, I mean, he's got all of the... Like, episode one, season three of our was the day the yacht sank. I'm just like, what happened to all these cats? They didn't give up, right? Well, they went and they played for Richard Marks. Yeah. It's one of those
1: things that and And I have lots of them. I'm sure everybody that listens to a lot of music has a lot of things that fall into this category, and that would be artists that have seemingly do and have everything that you should like, yet when you listen to it, it just ho hums you, yeah, I mean, people have tried to get me hooked on Genesis or Moody Blues because of how much into like the Prague stuff I was into Kansas and Russia on stuff oh, then you're gonna like this, yeah, and yeah, I can see why you think that um there's all kinds of artists that seemingly have everything in their locker that I would like and it just still never gets me and richard marx is one of those this this sound should be something I love, and it just doesn't. I think
0: that just doesn't that's happen. what happens. Okay, well, I would still recommend people go exploring because you're going to find some some gems in there, some just ripping guitar solos and some awesome drum work. You got Trissa Bowen. You got amazing bass yeah. work. The Marcus Miller song that I'm thinking of was awesome. Yeah, mine is not a
1: commentary on quality as much as it just emotionally doesn't do anything for yeah. me. So other people may just totally be
0: moved by it, and that would be great. Last thing on this, and then we'll move on. Just, I was interested that... Because I kept going beyond the, like, the 80s, and he's got an album in 91, 94, 97, 2000. I kept going, mm-hmm. and like, the production quality of the late 80s goes away, and you start getting introduced sounds from the, like the drum sounds from the 90s. Mm-hmm. Still big snares, but not as harsh. And so that starts to mellow, and I actually started liking that stuff more mm. than the stuff I th- went looking for in the 80s. And it's still all the same cats through the 90s. Is it really? Yeah, through the 90s. you got Bill Champlin still playing the Hammond B3. Wow. So, anyways, go check that stuff out. I would recommend it, Um, and then let us know what you think. Okay, back to the topic. So, biggest part of me, Mm -hmm. ambrosia. Ambrosia, as uh,
1: Peter Beckett would say. Yes, Yes.
0: and he would know. He would. He's currently playing with them. So, let's just do, as we would, an album uh, focus. We'll do like a high-level sort of coroner's autopsy. (laughs) uh, Whoa. Yes. The body's not uh, dead yet. No, it's not. <laughs> we are doing our best to actually revive the body. So anyways, yes. Ambrose, let's start with the Yachtsky scale. Okay. So it's a 72.5. It is their highest rated Yatsky song. Right. Yep. That would indicate that it's got, at least to the OGs, many of the elements. Oh boy. Um I, interesting that Steve gave it a ninety one. Okay. Way higher than anyone else. So mm. um so there's that. He exploded the curve. There you go. Yes, he did. Uh, the song was uh off the 180 album, yeah. Right? So I had it as uh has
1: over 61 million spins on Spotify. It's the Ooh. last song on side two of that record, which that I, I knew it, but until I looked at the like the spin list, that really caught my attention. I said, Is could that possibly be one of the highest spin numbers for a last tune on an album, at least from that era? Especially That's when you consider question. that it's also the highest amount of spins on that album. So the the last song has 61 million spins, and it's the highest on the album. That, that is really kind of an anomaly, don't you think?
0: Yeah, it totally. I didn't realize that. I mean, it's
1: almost five times as many spins as You're the Only Woman, which shocks me, too. Is it their most spun song of all? It is, and that surprised me as well, because I guess I would have probably— Guessed how much I feel uh, from Life Beyond LA album, and mm-hmm. that has 41 million spins, but only a 60 on the Yatsky scale. So, you know, if somebody gave that a 91, maybe it'd be higher, but no one did apparently.
0: True. All right. Well, then in back in the day, before there was spinning, it was yep. number three on the Billboard Hot 100 and right. adult contemporary charts. Mm-hmm. And uh, it reached number one on the radio and records chart, which I'm not really sure what that is. Yeah. Well, I
1: looked that up because that caught my attention, too. That was an alternative sort of to Billboard. Um, maybe it was an up-and-comer at the time, but there were some big-time people using it. That um, Rick Dees used it for his countdown. Solid Gold Ooh. used it for their countdown on the show. And the later era of Casey Kasem's show, he got his uh, numbers from that same chart. So they, it wasn't know all that. Billboard and Cashbox. And I don't even remember the name Radio and Records at all. Either do I.
0: And you jogged a memory on Rick D's because I forgot. I liked <laughs> that way better than Casey Kasem's even. And I liked Casey Kasem. The disco duck himself, man. That's right. So obviously, it, it, it performed well back in the day. I think the album, do you know what the album did? I mean, it was from 180, which apparently... I don't know if you followed Ambrosia at the time, but apparently that was uh, taken to mean we're doing a 180 career wise or at least stylistic wise. And this is kind of a 180 from their prog rock
1: reach. I guess, you know, it, it's not that different than the previous album, the Life Beyond LA album. But uh, I kind of listened to the record actually today, kind of top to bottom, so that I would have a complete contextual basis for this. And I found it to be an album where they were still maintaining some of their harder rock and prog influences. I don't know if they had completely cast them off as the title would suggest. And, you know, it got me thinking that really, even though they're so different, prog rock and what we call yacht rock now, they they have this, they require the same skill set, even mm. though with a different sensibility. Because I think, okay, yacht rock and, and prog rock both work outside of the diatonic scale, the diatonic scale being the eight notes within one key. They don't change keys, they don't go outside of the key, blah, blah, blah. Both Prague and Yacht do that a lot. And, you know, we think about Yacht rock, and one of the things we love is like some of the hits and kicks, the bong, bonch, bong, 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 you know, that kind of stuff. Prague stuff is really into that too. I mean, they're not, neither one of them is locked in on that boom, bap, boom, bap, real basic rock beat. So I think there's some, you know, where it requires, as I said, the same skill set, even though delivered in a much different
0: way. So it makes sense that Ambrosia had both. Yeah. Well, and the, but the Yacht Rock songs of their collection, I think, are more, for the most part, more sort of poppy type of. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, not yeah. The, the jazzy stuff that you might get out of Steely Dan. Correct. Yep. But I agree with everything you're saying
1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and member FDIC.
0: Well, if this were an album focus, one other thing we might do is ask the following question. Mm-hmm. Does David Pack count as personnel? Because this was a band. This was not personnel. This right, was not right. like the Toto Cats. Um, however, you know, David Pack does float around, does some singing bits over here and some writing for this cat over there. Would you consider him personnel?
1: Well, certainly when he shows up on other people's records, I count him as personnel. I say, oh, yeah, it's got David Pack on it, so it must be Yachty. For sure. I mean, he, he's one of those guys we we talked about way, way back. I think he was my lead singer on my uh, fantasy team went way back when we built our fantasy band. And is because he... Uh, has that ability to sing in his, like, head or chest voice and then float up seamlessly up into his falsetto and then back out. He has that Daryl Hall ability to do that that not a lot of singers do. We mentioned it with Kenny Loggins when we had Tristan Bowden on. Yeah. Yep. His voice is just
0: absolute... He's at his peak on this album, too, I think. Oh, uh, my God, yes. Yeah. Yes. And this song in particular, Mm -hmm. uh, which we'll get into in a minute, uh, what else do you have for high-level notes? Because, of course, people who listen to this podcast know how much I love the song. I'm dying to jump in to the smooth waters of Ambrosia. So what else do you have? Uh, you I'm ready so? to
1: jump in, too. It's smooth. It's mysterious. It's moody. It's it's
0: cool. Well, Let's hit it. Yeah. So before you do, let me re- put the imagery back in your mind. Okay because I know you're going to want to see this in your mind's eye again, mm-hmm. that opening, the very first crash symbol that just extends forever. <laughs> Remember I said it's like <laughs> yeah. us getting into a nice warm hot tub. It is. So let's kick it. Ready? One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. And those palm mutes are just perfection right there. Yacht perfection. It is. So let, well, let's pause briefly and okay. start counting where we have so far. I'm hearing some sort of electric piano that sounds like a Rhodes. True. Uh, is there a little bit of flange or something on that? What's giving it that sort of, Yeah. there's the one keeping the groove, and then there's the beds that just are kind of groovy flanged. All, you know. It's like,
1: yeah, flange, phaser, probably a little bit of both. And that's where that moody, mysterious
0: thing comes from. For yes. sure. It even before you get to those palm mutes that, of course, you know, are like candy to me, yeah, right. Um, so it's got that element, but the groove, yeah. So, going back to it's not prog rock, obviously, it's not nope. a typical groove that I would associate with yacht rock, but it's not just you know straight eights or four on the floor either.
1: Well, remember when we did our uh, halftime shuffle episode, I kind of used this as an example that, uh, it kind of it, it certainly does not shuffle. But it hints at it because a lot of it's because of what the drummer is doing, that the way he plays the hi-hat, he's alternating loud to soft. So instead it's, it's, you know, and so that in and of itself gives you that tug pull, tug pull, and that sort of feels a little bit like a shuffle. And you add that with the quintessential sort of Yacht Rock bass line, and you get the it's not shuffling, but it has the groove of something
0: that might be shuffling. And I think the same might be said of the baseline where it's not the typical thing that I like to beat bass, which is the doom. T- t- doom. Yeah. But there's some sort of groove here happening. I just, I find the basis who Joe LaPorta, right? Is that how you say his name? Laporta? Uh, Pu- Puerta. Yeah. Just, he is, if he's not, Rated highly, he is extremely underrated because I find his bass work so artful and tasteful. And I wish we could, like Rick Beato does, I wish we had the tracks and we could isolate the bass line. Oh, because it's so good. People that know, know what Joe offered
1: to that band because he's the one leading it now. And people that want to say, oh, it's not an ambrosia without David Pack. And to a certain degree, I understand that. But let's not discount how important Joe was to that.
0: I'm also I'm always pointing out. Listen to this baseline right here. Yeah, and in the mix, depending on where you're listening, and depending on how sophisticated your ear is, a lot of people look at me like I, I don't hear. Wh- so when wh- you're like you're in the, the,
1: the like the canned goods aisle at the grocery store, and you say to the next <laughs> guy, "Check
0: this out, man!" He can't he can't tell. Yeah, <laughs> all right, we'll get to that. <laughs> all right, um, all right. Well, let's move along. Uh, I like the next thing that comes up. Is an element for me. I don't know if the OG is considered an element, but I always reference the fact that these lush harmonies in Yacht Rock are a quintessential marker. Well, that's something that caught my attention, too, is
1: it's kind of, I I, use one of our terms, it's off the map. When the vocal enters, it enters with backups, then the lead answers. It's not like... Lead comes in to do the verse and backups come in on the chorus. They announce themselves with a group harmony. Then the lead comes in. Check it out.
0: So... In, like, I think most bands of this era, true bands, which is something I think we talked about with Tris, Here's the the lineup on vocals. So you got Joe Puerto, as we said, on bass with backing vocals. David C. Lewis, well, he's we'll come back to him. Uh, Royce Jones, percussion, harmony vocals, backing mm. vocals. Burleigh Drummond, drums, percussion, harmony vocals, backing vocals. They all sang. They did. You had to sing back in the day. Yeah, you did, even if you were the drummer. And and they probably recorded this around one mic, right? We have never seen a making of, but that was standard in the day. Right, exactly. They'd be three around a mic, three or four, right? So then as we lead to the chorus here, because you had something coming up, and I want you to listen for two things. One is I want you to comment before we get. The production quality as a producer and an engineer, Like there's, as we say about Yacht Rock, to this point, there's lots of space, lots of air to breathe. You can hear every instrument perfectly. And we're just sort of setting the tone. It's going to build and layer later. Right. later mm-hmm. But um, for now, we've just got bass, guitar, sounds like acoustic, bass, bass, guitar, acoustic piano and drums. And that's it. That's mostly what you're hearing. Yeah. And then we're leading to this chorus. Well. Let's test a theory too. Okay. Let's test a, a listener theory. So I always I love the little artful bass line leading into the chorus. So play that again and okay. see if people can hear what I'm talking about when I say it's just tasty. Go. So, but we still haven't heard all there is to hear. What a, no. one of my notes on the song is how they're going to continue to build, continue to layer, um, and then we move on to verse two. And I think verse two adds at least in my ear, I don't know what you heard, a little bit more acoustic piano and a right. little bit of organ now. Up on
1: my shoulder, right, and the organ is a little bit of an outlier for the yacht genre. Just in general, you do not hear a lot of organ. It takes on a bigger role even later in the song. But that was one of my commentaries, like, if there's a way to decry this as not being as yachty as you'd like, the organ certainly would be one of those things you'd hear and go, ooh, I'm not so sure.
0: Yeah, but it's no. it's it's not featured organ, right? Not really until later, and by then the song has already set itself up. It's so yachty. Uh, so it's a little bit of organ here and there. So, so good. So then we're going to round out to another chorus and listen to Pac's falsetto vibrato setting up the next chorus, but then with your other ear, listen to, again, Joe Puerta's bass line going into the chorus. It's killer.
1: Yeah, again, that's where I get the Barry Gibb because that It's not just
0: falsetto, it's with that deep vibrato that is so smoking good. Yep. And then what's introduced in the second chorus, too, that I haven't heard yet, and I think this is a marker of Yacht Rock, I'm thinking of Bill LaBounty and others, but the subtle use... You're always thinking of Bill LaBounty, though. Yes. Well, unless I'm thinking about Ambrosia. True. Which I'm doing both now. Yeah. um, (laughs) But a marker for me is the subtle use of primitive synths. Mm-hmm. Right. So I like Toto got into more of the sophisticated synths. But like yeah. in this chorus, you're hearing some synths doing those sort of, you know, syncopated chord lines. Yep. And it's never like synth like it doesn't sound like eighty sound yet, but right. it's enough like we're starting to experiment in these new sounds. And I think it's cool. And then uh, lastly, before we get to the next cool section, is going back to the idea that they're layering. Listen to how they come out of this chorus, and you start hearing more complexity and more prevalence of the backup vocals. They're doing more now. Just a little more ear candy as we're setting up the next section. I love that. Yeah, and I love the way that they
1: they sort of, the backups counterbalance what's going on in the synth that you pointed out, too. It's almost like one is answering the other, even though they kind of have nothing to do with each other, but they seem to be responding to each other.
0: Yeah, and over the top, Pac is stealing the show oh, wow. in the limelight, and it just, <laughs> yeah. it all works. It's so good. Yeah. Well, then we get to this next little section where we take a little divergence, and I hear for the first time some more personnel, the saxophone. Yeah, you know,
1: I don't know if I knew this or didn't know it. I feel like when I saw it today, it struck me as though I didn't know it, but I'm not sure how at this point in my Yacht Rock career I didn't know it. I had no idea this was Ernie Watts on this tune.
0: Nor did I. Okay, all right, good. (laughs) I was today years old. I thought... It was like Player, you know, because Player has a bunch of sacks, and I figured it was just maybe the keyboard player picking it up, or yeah. maybe it's some um, relative right. no-name that I should know. I didn't know it's Ernie Watts. I had no idea either that he was associated with them at all. Yeah. We're getting close to personnel for days. Well, we got two. So yeah. So that's it's pretty good. But he sounds killer on this. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't really
1: sound like, quote, Ernie Watts. He doesn't have that long flourish where he comes up into something that, to me, that's an identifier of Ernie Watts.
0: Right, and I don't even feel like at least this first part here doesn't even feel like so much a solo to no. me as I would call it like an interlude. It kind of taking you into the bridge, yes. Which I'd be curious to see if you have any notes on the bridge because I swear I hear it's probably not five over one technically, but some of the syncopated keyboard lines feels like it's doing the some version of the Doobie Bounce where it's this over this, this to this. You got any notes on that? Well, my note was that they got the Yacht Rock kicks in there.
1: The, mm, that, that, to me, that's Yacht Rock right there.
0: <laughs> exactly. That, that's the part I'm talking about, and it feels like they're also incorporating some of that five over one. Okay. Not yep. exactly, yep. but it just feels like those the chord movements are that way. Which is, of course, the Bounce. The, the Bounce, the, the, yeah. the yep. and yep. Bounce. Yep. Which then sets up a nice little guitar solo for one David Peck. Which, if you've been following us down the road of Yacht
1: Rock, you're expecting a face melter, aren't you? And instead, yes. what you get is a nice clean tone, sort of a jazzy tone approach. And uh, I don't know, it's, 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 when you're so used to hearing a Lucather or a Graydon come and blow a, a lead, this is not what you, what you get. And it's entirely different. And that's very refreshing. And then, following that, Ernie Watts comes in with the smooth.
0: Yeah, this whole section, which is features leads, I'd call them leads, but not solos, because um, what you said about David's solo is, I think, tr- very true. Um, it reminds me of Ernie's initial sax lead and that it's just sort of playing along with the groove it's not like trying to like make this huge statement or take the song to a new direction that it's not currently in just feels completely fluid it's connecting one section to the next it's not okay we've
1: done our verse course we're going to sit back and let this guy blow a lead no this is intentional saying okay we need something to connect here to here and they do that multiple times in
0: this song and they're connecting it to the next chorus right which now I feel like all the faders are up uh, <laughs> metaphorically L- metaphorically y- including the literally. organ the organ plays a y- bigger role later on <laughs> yeah you hear a lot more going on in this chorus but at this point because of that transition and because of what's been established in earlier choruses and verses now it feels like everybody's here and it's like this to me this huge celebratory moment like let's do it and it's big baby, baby, baby.
1: It should be, and they've got nice. Uh, the, everything's layered up nice. I noticed that the way that the piano is layered with those synths you were talking about earlier. That would that brass. It's now known as the quote the Toto brass. That's sort of the <laughs> you, me- you mentioned Toto, but that that sound kind of shows up in like any synthesizer that you buy anymore has a quote Toto brass sound, and that's what oh, it is really? right there. Oh, yeah. I did that know. Oh that. yeah. So it's, or
0: it's sometimes it's called Africa brass. So. Okay, gotcha. So is that it's like synth brass? Like you know it's synth, but you don't mind? Is that yeah? Because it wasn't ever meant to sound like real brass. It's just a a synth pad with a strong attack. And then we have one final verse, um, which they come back to where it all started. And again, all those layers are still in there, including some subtle sax lines from mm-hmm. Mr. Ernie Watts.
1: In general, the roadmaps of their what we know as their hits are not
0: exactly what you'd expect either. Just in general, that's true. It is true. Well, but speaking of roadmap, I feel like this ending to this song has two features that we've talked about frequently in our album focuses, and that is an extended groove period where you're not sure really who's soloing and it doesn't really matter you're just enjoying it. Yeah,
1: they're laying out the mood as opposed to making one final hurrah. They've decided they've told you the song is done. Now we're just going to chill out and you know, the, no one's showing off, no one's saying here's my show. It's it's just smooth. It's cool, man. Let's groove along a
0: little with that right now. That's fading. You know, you heard an occasional line of sax. You hear, like, a new line of vocal being introduced by David yep. Pack in, in, in the fade-out. Mark's Got to save something for the fade-out, always. Yacht Rock Rule number 102, right there. Yep, exactly. And then it's got this nice, slow, long fade, which, again, this was at the end of Side A, right? Side B, last song on the record. Oh, okay. So that's it's another one of those albums that ends with a sunset. It does. Just kind of following the Steely Dan model. So, does it have all the elements? Back to the question. It's like, man, it sure has. I'll tell you what it doesn't have. Here's my list of what it doesn't have. Okay. Total personnel.
1: Yeah, it's okay, though. It has to sound right. I don't care who the personnel is. It has to
0: sound right first, then we look at personnel. It does have David Pack and Ernie Watts, though. Right, right. uh, It does not have the doobie bounce or a strict halftime shuffle. Right.
1: But it does have a groove. It does. I think there's enough going on there that takes bits of what you're expecting from a halftime shuffle or the doobie bounce. I think it's in there in a different way. So I, I, I would check those boxes with a half check each.
0: Right. Okay. Uh, fair enough. It does not have, as you mentioned, a face-melting guitar solo, but it didn't call for one, nor does it miss one. But I, I, think. I but I think the sax work balances that. Okay. And then my last element, it does not have what you would consider like a Jerry Hay horn section.
1: It does not, and I also say it does not really – I'd have to go back and really analyze it, but on surface listen, I don't hear what I would call jazzy-influenced or R&B-influenced chord structures. So that might be the reason why Mm. I said, okay, it's not yaddy, it's smooth. I, I was tempted to put it maybe in a smoother soft rock area. And I think you've talked me down from that to some degree, but that—that's the biggest thing
0: that's missing. It's not jazzy, really, in any way. True, true. Well, you should chart it and tell me. Yeah. Uh, get back to me on that because I don't know either. But I'm busy working on a Christmas song, so. Oh really? I can't, yeah. Well, that ought to be nice. Mm-hmm. Glad tidings. Yes, thank you. <laughs> well, cool. So I will say this, this is my closing argument is: it's got I think 70. What would we say it was? It was a 72, 71 and a half. Yeah. I think that's fair. Uh, Seventy-two point five. That's a fair placement. I don't know that it deserves to be that much above like how much I feel. Or you're
1: the only woman. I think they all deserve kind of on par with each other. And there's maybe what a thirteen point difference from top from mm. those. So I guess that's not a lot. But um, I- I'm
0: happy with them with the with the rating. Yeah, I'm happy with the rating. I will say this though, to me, that is the perfect. Song. You know,
1: if you want to tell somebody what Yacht Rock is and you play them that one, they'll get it. Exactly. Theoretically. Yep. You know, um, yeah,
0: you don't have to get the technical things aside, what it does or doesn't lack. It's just so good. Even if I like take the Yacht Rock blinders off for a minute, right. the song is just so well written and so well performed. I just, it's perfect. It's well recorded.
1: Yeah. I, I was going to say the recording thing. I, I have no problem if someone says, this is what Yacht Rock sounds like. I don't care that it isn't the four by a hundred. I I get it. I totally get that this is an example of what yacht rock should sound like. Yeah, cool.
0: All right. Well, we're in agreement after all. Well, that was no fun. I wanted to get in a fight. Well, maybe we got lightning round left. Well, let's test the waters. All right. Uh-ha. Lightning round it is. It is. Okay. Well. That's my line. First of all, did, did you like doing the uh, song episode? Yeah, song we got yeah, to do more of those. That's good. Yeah, I agree. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? You go first. All right. Uh, I did not have anything really prepared to be uh, ambrosia, ambrosia specific. Ambrosia. Yes. Uh, so I am going to take a song that does have so much doobie bounce. We've talked about this band in the past. I guess it's a band, the Pointer Sisters. Mm-hmm. Where I think in a previous episode recently, I said I went from being a default no to thinking Pointer Sisters aren't yacht rock, right? to now I'm almost a default yes like okay yeah it is so where do you fall on he's so shy
1: That's that's actually a tough question. Um, Because there's so much doobie bounce in there. I mean. I do. I think there is. I think I'm kind of being blinded by kind of what you were saying. My previous, my preconception. So it was kind of a, not goofy, a little silly of a poppy song back then. Um, And I would have never tied it
0: to what a fool believes had you asked me. Yeah, I wouldn't either. But
1: upon listening to it now with the information that I've garnered over the last couple of years, I can definitely hear Doobie Bounce in the keyboard part. The song still doesn't feel like what I think of as Yacht Rock, but I can't really disqualify it on anything specific. Not that it's my choice. That's (laughs) kind of
0: (laughs) why. Well, it uh, it is uh, certified. It's 87.75. Talk about high. Okay, I'll disqualify that. I'd I'd knock (laughs) 25 points off of that. Personally. Me too. Like for me, it's a struggle to get them onto the boat, but I would do so uh, reluctantly. But apparently, okay. they had no problem with it. And all they're right. all consistent 85, 92, 88, 86. But it's that keyboard line. It's not just the what
1: it's playing, it's the way it's layered too. It's very much the Omardian type of thing that we associate with Christopher Cross and, like you say, Doobie Brothers, even though that was uh, Ted Templeman. But yeah, it's that layered sound playing that kind of part. So you need kind of both elements, and it has both. But there's more Mm -hmm. to the song than that that catches my ear. Correct, correct. All right.
0: Well, what floats my boat, do you wonder?
1: Well, I've got one that I probably could have given it to you off the map, but I kind of wanted to get an idea, play it for you, and let you kind of tell me how much yachtiness do you hear. This isn't like pure yacht or not kind of thing. But um, we, uh, by we, I mean page 99, were uh, contacted by a group uh, called, are you familiar with uh, Backman,
0: Johansson, and the others? No, I know the others <laughs> No, no uh, I do not know That name sounds familiar Yeah, I think they're Swedish um,
1: And by by, we being contacted um, I, I mean Russ, our uh, lead vocal uh, Vocal arranger He was contacted to do some uh, Vocals for them Write some melodies, write some backups and, um, and I didn't really know that much about them They're kind of a modern yachty thing and um this is from 2021 and i wanted to play you a song called give up on love Definitely
0: hear West Coast AOR influence, right? Oh, for sure I do. Definitely. Um, and what question did they have for Page Ninety Nine? They want Russ to
1: lay down some vocals for him. So nice. So that's cool. why I said they didn't really contact me; they contacted him.
0: But you know, does he know he's under contract with Page Ninety Nine? He's not though. Oh, so mm-hmm. anybody want him? You come, <laughs> come calling. Ooh, I, uh, August Red might come next. You can't afford it. But uh, that's a good tune. I could, I, I could tell I'm gonna like that stuff, and I'm gonna make a mental note to go check all that out. All right, very well done.
1: Okay, on to then buried treasure. So I do have a buried treasure for you that is related. Uh, I became a really big fan of David Pack's first solo record. It came out in 1985, so it does flirt with being uh, some sonically too late. The album's called Anywhere You Go. The song I want to play is Anywhere You Go. And let me hit you with a little of that first. I just love that album And uh, like I said Most of it's adjacent There is still some remnants Of the Yacht era there But that song in particular Of course is a little more Of just a West Coast rock thing But what caught my attention Is uh, that it was co-written Pack of course With Mike Percaro. Mm. And Jay Winding Ooh. Which I mean, was kind of interesting But the band on that, the backup band on that Which really struck me So it still has Mike Procaro on bass And Jay Winding And of course David Pack on guitar But then on keyboards is Kerry Livgren from Kansas Really? And on drums is Prairie Prince from The Tubes <laughs> So that's quite is that an interesting kind of blend Of people? Totally Yeah, that's a good, really good record, man isn't Michael
0: McDonald on that record as well? He is. Not in that song, though. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Buried Treasure. Yeah, that whole album is actually a Buried Treasure. For somebody who needs to get his Ambrosia fixed. it's like that's like a, a last remnant. That is it? That's it. Yep. All right. Well, I'm going to go into your wheelhouse then Ooh. for my Buried Treasure. Okay. And I'm sure it's not buried at all, but I feel like the same maybe two, three Pablo Cruz songs get played over and over and over again. This is true. So love will find a way what you're gonna do a place in the sun yep but i don't know why they don't play this one more and it's it's buried somewhat for me i'm sure is the uh, foremost pablo cruz fan on this podcast it's not buried for you but i dig me some cool love
1: Yeah, I do. I remember covering that one a while back, and this was early, early on, and I was still kind of discovering. And I had thought that maybe Pablo Cruz's era kind of ended with the World's Away album, and then it started to fade off. But then, yeah, I found that nugget. That's off of uh, Reflector, as I recall. I'm working working from memory here. Well, let's see if we need to throw a flag on you. With the K it is
0: off the album Reflector is that a 1981. K? 1981 Isn't there reflect. Or is it a C? Nope, it's with a C. Ah, There's C? the flag. I don't know anything I'm talking yeah. about. Well, I didn't realize that we had already covered that on the podcast. I should listen to this podcast. It's yeah. kind of up my alley. It is. You'd it like is. it. All right. <laughs> well, I am going to go off the map okay. first, be- only because I'm afraid you might steal it. All right. And did you realize that David Pack, speaking of David Pack solo, did a version of Biggest Part of Me? I am aware. Yes, sir. <laughs> Let's hit that. Hey let Yep, from the album uh, The Secret of Moving On in 2005. He yeah. went back to that well. Yep, yep. We covered uh, the, the
1: song Secret of Moving On way, way back, too. Ann Wilson was with him on that. But, yeah, biggest part of me, you really uh, lit that fire.
0: So, Yes, he did. Off yeah. the map. All relit right. the fire. What have you for Off the Map?
1: This is so far off the map. It's not only is it, it it's definitely post Yacht Rock era because this started in 1984 went to, I think, 1989, um, but it's also off the map because it isn't really music related, but I have a, a question I've been <laughs> what, dying to ask.
0: What you. podcast did I stumble into? What are we doing here? Is this true crime? I like true <laughs> <your> crime. <laughs> well, don't we do cultural stuff? Well, we do, yes. From do. the era? Uh-huh. Okay. Okay,
1: good. What, what I need... <laughs> What I want to know, no, 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 that's ridiculous. What what I do want to know is how far, how
0: many episodes into Charles in charge are you? Uh, (laughs) Talk about off the map. So uh, like you, I purchased season one on Amazon. Yes. uh, And I think I'm like six or seven into it. Oh. Only because we've had other viewings that sort of got prioritized before it. <laughs> I'm the only one in the house that's going to watch it, right? So everybody needs to be in bed or away from the house for me to turn it on. That doesn't happen much.
1: Once they watch it, they'll be hooked. I'm
0: telling you, it gets better too. We're in season two. I want to get to season two yeah. because that's when they totally the new family moves in, and I remember it being funny. It is funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, that's it. So you don't have any musical off the map. Ahoy, paloi. <laughs>